Okay. <laughs> uh, board colleagues, questions and comments? Ms. Talento. Thank you, Ms. Stengel, for the presentation. I really appreciated it. Um, can we go to slide 19? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, for option two, I just wanted to confirm with um, that if we did the, if we repurposed the Ed Center for middle school seats, then we really do not have flexibility as to when we bring on the high school seats. 2023 would be, because we would not have the 500 seats in 2022. Is that correct? So we would be at a deficit in 2023 that would be about seven or 800. I don't have the numbers in Say front of me. for high school seats or middle school seats? High school seats. Yeah. So in option two, we're looking at repurposing the Ed Center for middle school. And then a thousand seats at the thousand plus seats at the career center so that means that we did not have high school seats at the ed center correct so the thinking on this was we've we've so there's a couple of community engagement processes going on the read i think the, one of the interesting things that came out of some of the early pieces of the read design was there was a proposal that actually had more seats that were a lower cost per seat mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think sometimes when we're laying out these projects, if we don't necessarily give a we're building to this, if we if we expand it to see, are there, is there a potential to get, you know, more bang for our buck um, by building a little bit bigger and thinking a little bit more um, strategically? If we could actually find more, the other pieces I've heard the Career Center Working Group. I've sat in those meetings and I think one of the things I've heard them say is build it bigger. We know those students are going to come. Let's do it. You know, so part of this was thinking if we could somehow get more seats, you know, by delaying this a little bit and giving more bonding capacity over two years, could we do it so the Ed Center could serve sort of what um, the Wilson Building, the old Wilson Building used to do. We used to have a swing space where when schools were going through renovations at that time, could move out and move into it. And maybe this could serve as that until we, you know, have the funds to build a, another building. So that was sort of the thinking okay. on that instead but of an addition. Right, and, and I understand that piece, but I just wanna make sure that I'm also looking at our numbers correctly. In 2023, if we have not built the 500 seats at the Ed Center, then we are at a higher deficit in 2023. In yes. other words, yes. when we build the 500 seats at, in 2021, we're in a good place with our high school capacity. Yes. And so in 2023, if we do not build those Ed Center seats, we are, we are not in a good place with capacity. We're probably like an 800 seat deficit. Yeah, and I'm I'm don't have that, but I'm just trying to guess what the number. So I just want to. Yeah, the Ed Center has been part of this thinking, and and when right. we did that siting process last spring, part of it was it brought on those seats earlier. Right. We saw a big demand last year, and our projections have shown that it's not quite as severe as it was. Okay. Um, but we need seats in 2021. And the reason I was asking that is because, uh, as the Career Center Working Group liaison, I do find value in being able to buy the, that project some time with the funding to really build it. And, and this is just what I'm hearing just for the public purpose. The committee has not come up with any recommendations. They're in dialogue. They have many ideas, um, a lot of conversation. But I'm just trying to look at it from a school board member's perspective and funding. Right. We have to fund whatever project they, they recommend and we approve however that may be approved. And so in option two, we lose the flexibility of pushing it out to 2024, and we are in a crunch at high school seats in 2023 because we have not used the Ed Center seats for secondary seats. Right. In that, that's how I'm viewing it, and I just wanted to confirm that 
that is a correct perception and maybe it isn't so i think but i would like to look at yes it and that's, actually that's fine later no yeah, i appreciate yeah, that yeah but that's what i'm seeing yep. and that would be helpful to me to understand so that as we move forward in the cip process i know the, the consequences of looking at option two as a possibility for moving forward with the cip framework Thank Mr. You. Lento, I, I, I don't think we quite followed that. Are you saying the Ed Center, you don't, in option two, the Ed Center, you don't expect it to be used for high school? It says right there, a 2023 Career Center 1000 Plus repurposed Ed Center for middle school. Oh, at that point in 2023. But right. in 2021, it would be used for high school. Okay, to, that's where to, I'm confusing. So we would have high school seats. Yes, sorry. The Ed Center okay. is there in both. It Thank just, you for that. It changes its use. Sorry about that. I didn't no, no, it's okay because I was, so it really does become true swing pace, swing space until we find a way to build a new middle school. And if we build it that way, I think we do, I think the work that was done last spring on the Ed Center means we probably build it for 500 seats and so that it allows for different things to fit in there which Thanks. has the common spaces that wouldn't be if we built it for six. Okay, so then we're, we're in a similar place. We're just repurposing it as a swing space and looking at how we can Yeah, do it's sort of a different way of thinking more. about how we use the resources we have. And, and then we could gain flexibility and still maybe do 2024 with the Career Center, as you showed in another slide. That's so helpful. And thank you, Dr. Cannon, for catching that. I did not see that piece. Thank you. Ms. O'Grady. Thank you. I have a follow-up on Ms. Talento's question. So, Ms. Stengel, if we were to start off in 2021 and add five to six hundred or five to six hundred students at the Ed Center, and then two years later decide that those students have to go somewhere else, and we're going to put middle school students in that location, what was the thought process? Would we be having kids switch out in the middle of high school to go to a different school to? How would we handle that for those students? It probably would be like we did with boundaries this last year. I think one of the things that we would consider is grandfathering students who are there, but as students are moving in, having them go to the new school. I think we'd, do, we'd probably end up doing a couple boundary changes as much as that. Um, it's not necessarily the way I'd want to do, but I think temporarily it might be a fix. Um, so you do a boundary change as you open the Ed Center and maybe expand Washington Lee, give students access to a comprehensive high school, and then come back and as the Career Center opens, you know, you draw boundaries for four high schools. Okay, so we would potentially see those students moving to starting a high school experience in one location and then ending in a different one. You know, that probably, Probably some students would do it, but when we did the high school boundary process, we actually grandfathered students. So if they were already enrolled, they stayed, but as those new students were coming through, they moved to the new school. Um, and given the program that's there, and given that there's already students there, some of the issues that we saw in the high school boundary process don't apply in the same way. I, I think as we looked at siting last year, during those schools, those standalone schools with 1,300 seats, they wouldn't have upperclassmen there when they go there or anybody else. It'd be, you know, starting at grade nine. And so this is actually a way to think about how we, you know, there's already a program there and students there. So I would bet some of the students in the neighborhood might take advantage of the move. Others might not, but we could be, you know, we learn how to be creative. I think we have to be creative with some of these changes that are coming up. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, Mr. Goldstein, do you have questions? I do. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, thank you for the presentation, Lisa. Um, uh, so can we, 
can you help me with the whole notion of the framework? So everything we're seeing here is the framework. So I had been thinking that framework was kind of um, the timetable and the understanding what the leftover projects from the last CIP were and knowing what the bonding capacity was and stuff like this. But this is real content stuff. So is this the stuff that we will, you'll be asking us to approve uh, whenever it is, April or something? So these are the projects that right now we're getting costs for. These are projects that are, have been discussed in other places and they align with the previous CIP and then the discussions we've had from the, um, with, with FAC as we've looked at this stuff. Um, you know, the framework is really the projections data. There was, I put in the timeline for the, uh, for the next meetings that we'll be having and when we bring information back to the school board and the work sessions that we'll be working through, but this is our starting point. A lot of these projects are underway. Other ones from the last CIP, as we've reassessed and looked at projections, I think we've, we've got some adjustments we can make. And so this is sort of what we're saying we should bring to the table as that starting point. Okay, but I mean, I see a lot of, um on a couple of previous slides, you know, maybe this and maybe this and, you know, maybe if we did it this way, we'd end up with that. So um, that's the part I'm not clear on of what, what fits into what defines the framework. You understand what I'm asking? I understand what you're asking. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to ask Ms. Peterson maybe to help with this because it's an iterative process. And what we are not sharing with you this evening, because it's a framework, are the financials. So what Ms. Stingle has shared initially with the projections and the student enrollment data is really the rationale. This is what the landscape looks like. This is what we think you might be needing. And these are some of the choices that we see that could play out across each one of the levels. I do want to take the opportunity to also point out, and I think someone raised it, um, Ms. Snyder raised it when she mentioned the planning process, is that it takes us five years to plan once we begin a project. So we're seeing that as um, you know, quite a task in how we then look at how the funds are distributed over that time period or the bond funds are distributed over that time period. So what Ms. Stingle has really done is she said, here's the rationale based on what our enrollment is today and what our projections are telling us. Here are the choices that you have for how these things could integrate. We're going to come back to you once we start with the CIP process and begin to lay out how the funds need to be distributed. And then within that, there will also be some tuning. Right now, though, with how the, the bond funding is laid out and then the referendum that comes forward, many of your out years are simply just for planning. You're projecting of what your funds or your bond funding will need to be in those out years. And you are forecasting, but those funds we will not be going to the voters necessarily and asking for those in particular projects. Ms. Peterson, I don't know if you want to add anything uh, or clarify anything that I've, I've stated. Uh, I think the only thing that I would add is that um, the, 
the choices that you have in front of you are going to be very strictly defined by how much money you have to spend. And once we figure out how much money you have to spend, it will then narrow down the choices you can make. Okay, thank you. Because I think my next comment fits into that perfectly. And that is a comment or question. I, I didn't see it in here, but I could have missed it. Are you considering as a um, option or uh, idea increasing utilization of existing buildings? So in what way? Two years last two years ago when we did the CIP, I suggested that we do uh, something called split shifts, uh, and I didn't. Um, describe it well to make myself clear on it. First of all, it would only be at the high school level and you know, secondly, it would only be for students who choose uh, a different schedule, but a schedule that would make greater use of the building in terms of you know, used hours. Um, are you considering, let, let me rephrase that. I, I'd like to see some ideas on that uh, because that could fit into you know, our whole notion of what we're spending, how much we're spending when, and uh, how many seats we're going to be able to accommodate by doing so. And uh, there would be a wide variety, I'll take that question, yeah. there would be a wide variety of considerations that we could bring to the table on that. Sure. The idea of the split shift would be one. The other is uh, increasing class size as, as another uh, potential option. So I'm just putting all the different scenarios that could possibly play themselves out on the table. Right. We've seen class size, you know, move over the years. Um, I don't think we've ever seen split shift as an idea. And again, you know, our rapidly rising enrollment and as Leslie pointed out, constrained dollars are limiting our choices so you know this is a uh, configuration for want of a better word that um, I'd like to see explored right and I mean we can even go as far as do we need to have school buildings because of the future of what public education may or may not look like is is something that we should be thinking out about as well I, I agree I agree but um, Okay, so where I think we're, if not on the same track, in parallel tracks then. So I guess I'd like to hear from other board members, yeah. maybe not tonight, but if this is something that you want us to consider uh, with um, you know, we, future discussions. We will discussion. have discussions and, and, yeah. and, and consider providing guidance on that. Um, yes, I, it's always, there's always a moment at a board meeting when I like to remind folks that when one board member makes a comment, it is not board direction, it is one board member's thinking and we will collaborate and possibly um, come to a, a mutual conclusion on things. But sometimes we share ideas and that's what they are. Uh, who's next? Uh, well, I'm not done. Oh, okay, Mr. Goldstein. Thanks. Uh, hi, can you go to slide seven, please? Is that, yeah, okay, thanks. So um, do we have an idea of which geographic areas uh, we'll be seeing greater, you know, enrollment growth in? 
Looking at it at the moment, no, but that is something that we're looking into as we're talking with FAC, we're trying, we're, we're, we're beginning to dig in and actually look at it um, more in regional areas. And is in that digging in, are you, cons I'm sorry? I, actually, I meant not FAC, JFAC. Some of the uh. work that they're doing is looking at where is the growth occurring. Okay, and so uh, is it fair to presume that they're taking into consideration or you all are taking into consideration um, county development plans? In our projections? In that idea of where geographically we'll be, able, we'll be seeing greater enrollment growth. So we have, yeah, it, the uh, development is actually in the projections and we've been, I've been part of this since September. So um, we're beginning to dig in and, and actually look at the data differently to begin to say, where is the growth gonna occur? I know that that school that I think is in 2025 was discussed during the South Arlington Working Group at a specific site. You know, before we go on and say this is where it needs to be, we need to go back and look and actually go down to where the growth is occurring. So we, we don't know that today. We are gonna be working that on that over the course of the summer. Yeah, and so I realize we have a problem in that um, we don't always have land and available facilities to grow where the enrollment growth is because we've only ever used land that we already own, so. Yeah, we hope JFAC will help with that. That's sort of the <clears throat> task. Um, can you go to the next one, please? Uh, slide eight. Um, and is there anything from the ongoing boundary revision process that's lessons learned or anything we're learning about how to apply to this problem or these um, options, I guess? You know, actually, when we when we reviewed this information with FAC, I think what we looked at um, when we see those numbers and the number of the difference there, you know, we were comparing it to where we are this year. This year we have 900 students. Next year we're going to have 1,300 more students than our plant, you know, our, our existing capacity. And so we were using that as sort of a gauge. You know, that's why we felt when you get to that number in I think it's 2026. That is a really high level. Now, before that, you know, this is these are numbers that we've been managing. Um, you know, we're managing 900 this year, and actually, a lot of our schools are. You know, while they have a lot of kids, it's amazing to see what they're doing um, to make things work. And <clears throat> excuse me. And when you say um, in the bottom box of 2026, um, if estimates remain the same, we'll need another school. I, do you have a notion of whether it's like adding on or? building a whole new building from scratch or even continuing use of uh, trailers, possibly more? Well, I think, you know, we, in those years before that, we see the use of relocatables. Um, that would continue. Uh, but then I think we'd be working with Mr. Chadwick. I think one of the things he is looking at is pulling some of those additions that were done in the past, and at some point we'll get costs on those. Now, this is so far out, we're not getting those right at the moment. Um, but I think one of the lessons learned is I think they find a better cost when you build a new school versus putting on additions of, of a couple hundred seats. So we'll have to go back and look at that. And is there any idea, if we're gonna need a new school, is there any idea uh, of an option school, possibly a different option, something we don't have now, or are we trying to keep option, numbers of options, you know, the same? I think that would have to be 
part of the board's ongoing discussion. I think right now uh, we see uh, value in neighborhood schools, uh, and so that has been the board's priority, but I think that's open for the board to discuss about where they see that in the future. Okay. Um, I think I had one more question. While, while you're looking, Mr. Goldstein, let me go to another um, board member for oh, I got question. Can I? Okay. Thank you. Um, on slide 19, I, I'm curious about the the plan for Buck or you know how it's fitting into our thinking. So at the bottom there, you know we're talking about instructional flex inst instructional flex space, and when you say flex, do you mean swing space or could you tell me the difference between flex and swing? I'm going to let Dr. Murphy talk about that. Okay. I may need your help uh, with flex. I, I think both terms are sort of synonymous, okay? okay? So we can uh, utilize the facility how we best see fit. Um, you know, right now uh, the county has uh, said that we may want to be able to utilize that space. We are looking into uh, how many classrooms we could get out of that space, and we would like to then come back to the board with um, the possibility of some reconfiguration. Don't have any idea of the cost of that, but once we do, we'll bring that forward to the board and continue to work with the county. Well, the basis of my question is that um, both flex and swing say to me some kind of temporary use rather than a permanent school use there. Um, so is that the case? You know, a swing space in the past had been a school under renovation moves, you know, we'd always used Wilson, yeah. moves to Wilson for a year, then comes back, you know, to its uh, regular location. Yeah. So is that kind of temporary use at Buck, the kind of thing that's envisioned or um, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe simplify it even easier than this. We need seats. We're going to take anything and every, all comers that come to the plate. However we deploy our programs to fit the needs of our community is really what where we are. You can call it flex, you can call it swing, you can call it permanent. We have a seat deficit. We're going to have to think how we can utilize the space the best we can to meet the needs of our kids. At the end of the day, that's what we need to do. So we could put programs there. We've talked about possibly placing programs there or putting them in other spaces like that. So I think, um, I'm not sure uh, the, the terminology here, but I think what we're saying is we want to be open-minded to use the space in the best way that we possibly can. Okay, Ms. Talento has a comment on that. Um, Dr. Murphy, could you clarify my recollection is, is that the county has said we, we may be able to use that as temporarily. They have not committed to providing that space on a permanent basis. That's correct. Okay. So I just would encourage us to consider that as we move towards our CIP as to how we develop that space. I just wanted to confirm oh, that. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for clarifying. I think thank that's you. helpful. Thank you. I won't get a phone call in the morning from the county manager. I would just add on watching that, for we're, sure. getting a <laughs> we're getting a cost on that, and all of this comes out of the same you know, wallet. So whatever money we go, it, it takes away from another project. So we'll have to look at all of those when we come back with the costs. Definitely. Ms. Van Dorn. Thank you. Thank you very much for your presentation. I want to uh, follow up on a lot of the comments that Mr. Goldstein made regarding framework. Um, 
and I, I don't need you to flip around the slides, but there were just some quotes on slide seven and eight. You said we have to uh, build a new school at that point. And I'm just going to use that as a jumping pad to say I, I'd like us to think flexibly uh, about seats because when you're at the middle, at the elementary school level and you need X number of seats, there's a difference between presuming you have to build a school, considering additions, or changing class size. There are a lot of tools on the table. So we say a school, but what you really mean 725 seats, right? Yes. I, I would urge us, I, I, what I have heard in this conversation is to maintain our flexibility so that we can consider how to get the seats rather than presuming we have to build something. And that leads me to our, um, my second point is that in previous um, CIP discussions, the framework has included a timetable and funding. And I'm really gonna be, Dr. Murphy, I'm gonna be looking for that as a framework. I, I, I have a difficult time considering these without funding on the table in terms of the box that we're in and the possible costs. So this is a, a, it needs that piece of it. You've got some of the, some of the timing there, but I think we need to play that up, but you need the funding piece. And I have um, sent back to you all previous frameworks that include that information, and I'd suggest we have that for the next time we consider it. And also in terms of a framework, I, I, I kind of want to pull back and say, what, what do we, how do we want to look at all of this? Whether it's the elementary school seats I just mentioned or the 300 middle school seats we're talking about or the high school seats. What are our overall values that we want to approach this with? And I remember going through this exercise years ago when they were developing a CIP and I just wrote down four principles that I would value uh, because I think it's very consistent with the uh, report that we got from the FAC. And the ones that I wrote down were maximizing green space, maximizing the use of every single site, simplifying our designs to focus on cost effectiveness, and to maximize the flexible use of every site. So if we were to approach every project that we're looking at with that philosophy, which to me is then a framework, then I can look at how much money I have and what seats I have to get, and I can ask myself, do I need to look at reconfiguring the inside of a school, putting an addition on, adding a new school, considering repurposing a building, considering flexible programming or class sizes? I don't, I don't know, but I think we, there is a world of options, and I, I see what you're bringing to us, and I, I just would, it helps me to have a framework to look at them within a larger one. Like, I think this community really is concerned about green space. I think we're very concerned about using every building well because we have a finite number of them. So I just wanted to interject that for my colleagues if we approach it with some, consider what our basic philosophy is, I think that might, might be helpful. Um, and again, I would like the timetables and the funding. And then I'd like to just go quickly to that slide where you put the two options up. It was what, uh, 19, sorry, I'm just going, because exactly. it's, it's, you know, if I take that lens and apply that to these, here are some of the questions that, um, you know, I raise. Um, we are building a, fle if the Ed Center would be flexible space. We have just middle school addition versus not. 
that leaves out a whole lot of options. To me, 300 middle school seats divided by six middle schools is 50 students a school. At one point, we were looking at renovations at the middle schools, and some of those we haven't even pursued. I know there was a potential plan at Williamsburg, and the Williamsburg staff and PTA have constantly, as the liaisons side, have asked me about that. We did do some of that at Gunson. We did do some of it at Jefferson. Um, we haven't done that at the other schools. So to me, I don't want to leave that off the table because it gets back to my fundamental philosophy of maximizing every school, uh, every site. Um, and, 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 you know, the other, it, it checks all the other boxes for me. So I'm, I personally, and I'm one board member, would be looking for more than just a middle school addition or repurposing a new building. Because right now, I can't figure out how you would put a 300-seat middle school program. I, I just, and maybe I need more information about that. And I do also share the concerns that Ms. Uh, Talento raised about a two-year set of 500 students who would have to move around. I, I'm, I'm having difficulty getting my mind around that. And I'd also uh, remind you, remind us, that we received a letter uh, and a survey from the uh, Washington Lee PTA uh, that was a survey that went from the uh, elementary school age students through the middle school to the high school students that reported out what their preference was, would be if this facility were used. And I just, I really think we should listen to that because it went all the way down to the younger families whose students would potentially be here. So I, I think, and we are going to launch into the instructional focus conversation. So again, I just, I have concerns about those two just because I'm having a hard time envisioning that. Um, but I love the, the uh, flexible use of space, whichever way we go. Um, but again, I would have that, those basically basic philosophies, and I don't want to just presume at that point we have to build a new elementary school, or at that point we have to add an addition to a middle school. I would like us to look at all the schools and see are we maximizing the use. We have gotten a lot out of the optimization projects at the three high schools, and I don't want us to forget that. I, I don't know what else is on the table out there. so. I would encourage that, and then I'm going to be looking for that. Um, me, I will be looking for that um, as we as we go forward. And I know that people are are concerned about, you know, the conversation about what will high school be like. But high school has already changed significantly from when, from my first child who went through high school to my current child who's going through high school. And I I do think it's hard for us to project that forward. But I I think it is going to happen. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it is going to be different. And I don't know how you deal with that, but that's just a 10 o'clock philosophical question. Okay. Thank you. Um, so let's just verify a couple of things. Um, you're coming back on April 5th for us to approve um, the CIP framework. Is that, is that yeah. correct? Yes. And what exactly are we going to vote on or approve? Are we picking an option? What are, what's, what's... No, you're not picking an option, just... Um, I believe what we're doing is agreeing on the timeline and sort of the priorities based on the data, but not necessarily the projects. But these are the projects that we'll bring as we begin to work through so the framework. So would we be saying things like 2022 versus 23 in our framework? We don't have to get that specific, do we? Because I, I don't think so. Okay. It's just sort of like an overall sense of where we're, what we're prioritizing. 
Yeah, and it might be helpful for the board to actually give Dr. Murphy direction on if there are pieces like Ms. Van Doren just talked about, principles that we want to build into it, that we do that between now and the next meeting. So I, I think we need to think about this process a little bit. Um, I, I did want to mention in addition to um, the, our action item on April 5th, we added a new work session on April 12th. Um, to start looking at the CIP. We have CIP season that really hits harder in May, but we've added an April 12th work session as well to get started with the, um, the CIP. And um, I feel like there are a lot of ideas that we're hearing now that, um, you know, I'm not sure what this gets us to approve something, you know, this, this vague, as, as has been mentioned, um, without funding, without, you know, um, without knowing if there's funding, I don't know if we could even do that middle school addition. You know, to me, I, I think of us going straight to the high school piece. So, but again, and I understand we're busy with the budget. It's really hard to um, put those numbers in right now. So I think we just need to think about what, what we're going to do next. And we don't have to decide tonight at this board table, but let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. I just want to ask a couple of questions, then we'll go on to the next item. On the high school capacity piece, mm -hmm. um, I know when we have done those projections in the past, you sort of see the list of all of our buildings um, and the numbers of students as well as their capacity, and then, of course, you, know, you can see what our deficit is. But, um, and I just want to confirm that these numbers do or don't include some of those, it's especially the alternative programs that often look like they have uh, surplus in seats, and then that, um, you know, the bottom line, we might have, you know, we're including seats that aren't comprehensive high school seats, so it looks like we have seats that might not fit for the students. So I just want to ask about that. Are, is, are the numbers that we're looking at, I don't know which slide it is, where you're showing high school seat deficit, does it include all those, you know, I'm talking about Langston, um, community high school, et cetera, it does. It includes the high, all of the high school seats. So that is across our programs. So to me, I got to tell you, well, okay, so then let me tell you um, my overall, and, and um, Ms. Van Doren alluded to it. You know, when you look at these um, overall deficits, we have, we're going to have 25, high, 25 elementary schools in a couple mm -hmm. of years, six middle schools, three comprehensive high schools. Um, there's, a, there's an amount, there's a number of relocatables we've determined we could fit on these sites. There's also a question of what's best for the school any, any particular school environment. So when I look at elementary, for example, if there's a 500 seat deficit at the elementary level with 25 um, elementary schools, that's just 20 seats right. per school. Right. That's, you know, I, that's not really going to bother me. And I, I actually like what you've done here with saying yes. some relocatables are manageable for our system. Right. We're gonna have to, you know, just uh, acknowledge that um, because they are. Um, so then to me, as I do that kind of division, especially knowing that we're counting seats in high school that aren't um, traditional high school seats. I'm not comfortable where we are in 2022. Mm -hmm. And I just want to share that um, with my colleagues. I, the idea that we can, you know, get through that year and on to 2023, um, that's, I, I feel like we need to be looking at those numbers. We need to be targeting 2022. Um, again, not a decision we're making tonight, but just want to share that thought. Um, and it is, it's been a long meeting, it's getting late, so if there are no other um, comments or questions on this item, I think we'll go on to the next item. Thank you very much. Thank you.